Hi, everyone, and welcome to Education for Sustainable Democracy, the show about how we can prepare the next generation for informed civic participation. I'm Brett Levy. In this episode, I have Jeremy Stoddard back on the show. He's a professor in the Department of Curriculum and Instruction at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and one of his ongoing research projects has been to explore and document how schools in the United States have been educating students about September 11th and its aftermath, including the war in Afghanistan. This month, we're observing the 20th anniversary of the attacks of 9-11. And on this episode, Jeremy tells us what his research has told him about how textbooks and teachers have portrayed these historic events and what they've been leaving out. He also offers thoughtful insights on how to approach educating youth about these challenging issues. And he describes newly developed curricula on the topic that can be accessed for free online. And thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate your interest and support. If you're new to this podcast, please remember to subscribe so that you hear all of our upcoming episodes. If you like the show, please tell one or two people about it. That's the main way that more people can learn about these powerful ideas. Now here's my interview with Jeremy Stoddard. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast again. It's my pleasure. So you've been researching what students are taught about the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001, and we're approaching the 20th anniversary of that day. Obviously, it was a huge moment in our history, a horrible human tragedy, and one with huge consequences and ripple effects. So first, could you tell us a bit about what prompted this line of research when you started it? Sure. So I was a graduate student at the time. Um actually at UW-Madison, where I teach now, and my advisor, uh, Diana Hess, who's now the dean of the School of Education, was really interested in a lot of the curriculum that was produced to teach for the first anniversary. And so she had collected all of these going into the first anniversary and then received some funding to, to actually do some analysis of it. So in 2003, I was part of a group um, that started looking over these curriculum, and we were really trying to figure out you know, how were they framing 9-11 as event? What was the purpose behind the curriculum? How were they using sort of the details and what was included and what was left out? That started what became sort of an an ongoing sort of side research project. Um, And we decided to look at um, how it was included in textbooks for the first time. Then we looked at it again, sort of the second edition of textbooks, and then how it came into state standards. And then finally, uh, a survey of teachers across the country in late 2018 with some interviews that went into 2019. So when you were first looking at this, what was your approach to figuring out how this was being taught? We were really looking at these curriculum that were going to be widely used. And so um, Diana had put together a panel of people to sort of review them and identify, I think it was probably 10 of them, that we felt were going to sort of give you a broad scope of how 9-11 was being presented, at least in these curriculum, not knowing for sure, you know, exactly how they'd be used in classrooms. Um, and these included commonly used civic education curriculum, things like Choices out of the Brown University, which does a lot of inquiry-based foreign policy curriculum, Close-Up Foundation, which really focuses on voting, another group that had Justice Scalia as part of their group. Um, and so it was a wide range, and we were trying to figure out if this is how students are going to start to remember and the story of 9-11 starts to sort of become solidified, what is that story that's going to come into classrooms? And, and at least how do these curriculum represent it? So you looked at about 10 
different curricula, and then you did follow-up studies a few years later. I'm wondering what you found initially and how you saw curricula change over time. Yeah, what we found has been, you know, pretty consistent since 9-11, I think, in a lot of classrooms. And that is, it's a real focus on um, the attacks of 9-11 being unprecedented and shocking, which is, you know, how many Americans and people around the world viewed it through a television screen. Very much a focus of heroism on the part of firefighters, policemen. There's very iconic images, the one over the rubble in the World Trade Center site with the Mm -hmm. firemen raising the American flag, for example, is used in a lot of the curriculum. And also, though, there's a couple of things that that aren't included or, or a bit confusing. One was there was some conceptual confusion over the concept of terrorism itself in that they would give a definition of terrorism and then use examples that didn't fit their own definition. And this was particularly true in some of the textbooks. Um, so, for example, they would say terrorism is you know, the threat or use of violence against a civilian population to try to have some political aim. But then they would use examples of terrorism that were largely sort of military hmm. military uh, targets and, and things like that. So I think there was some confusion even within them because terrorism is a blurry concept. The other thing that we found was nothing, um, especially in the early curriculum, the vast majority of these examples and then going into the textbooks, nothing was really presented that would have been viewed controversial at the time. And it was sort of avoided until a bit later. And then we start seeing things like the Patriot Act, which was allowed sort of in, in even official curriculum. That, and what I mean by that is, you know, textbooks that are approved by the state, state standards. The Patriot Act then, um, after the Bush administration was out, sort of comes in as something that was okay to be debated in terms of its mm-hmm. outcomes, in mm-hmm. particular, the surveillance kinds of provisions in there. Other things are largely left out, like protests in the U.S. against the invasion of Iraq. Um, one of the textbooks that we studied in the first edition included the justification for invading Iraq, which you know was the weapons of mass destruction, the uranium. The next edition of that textbook uh, takes those details out, and it becomes more about regime change and Saddam Hussein and, and the reason for going in. So very much the, the story that evolves in textbooks and then in a lot of state standards, and I won't say all of them because I think there's a variety, but it's the same story of the shocking attack, the heroism, the nation and the world sort of coming around together um, behind the U.S. And that sort of justifies especially the, the invasion of Afghanistan. Some of these books you said mentioned Iraq and the Iraq War and tied that to the attacks of 9-11. Was that common or was that something that tended to not be present in the curricula? Yeah, so for the most part, 9-11, especially initially in the textbooks and these early curriculum, were treated as... Um, like special sections put in at the end. Um, And it really focused on sort of the details of the day, although some were more detailed than others. And what was interesting in the textbooks in particular was normally textbooks have a very bland sort of narrative in them, especially today for like the the common high school textbook. And these special sections were very much more written. You could tell there was an emotional sort of effect in in the writing of them that, you know, this notion of shock and horror sort of comes through even in the writing of them. Whereas that's not a sort of standard for the, the textbooks. And then as it gets integrated in the narrative, usually the section on 9-11 is followed by a section on the global war on terror. And then that's where Iraq would come in. So some of them tie it directly to 9-11 leading to this global war on terror. Some of them sort of treat them as a little mm-hmm. bit of, of separate events. And the justification is that it's, you know, rooting out terrorism. And it may also be included with 
with other actions that were, were taken around the world, um, maybe Yemen or, or somewhere in uh, Sudan or, or uh, Somalia or other places. How many participants were in the survey that you did in 2018? And what did you learn from it that you didn't learn from looking at the textbooks and the standards? Sure. So we had a little over a thousand teachers respond from, I believe, 48 states. Um, and these were across sort of world history, again, U.S. history and, and government or civics courses. I think a lot of what we found reinforced what we had known anecdotally. And that is that a lot of teachers, especially U.S. history teachers, tend to teach on the day of the anniversary. They teach about 9-11. Um, and they reported that because it's, you know, not in their curriculum or not until the end of the year, but they felt it's important still to do that. And so they're doing that largely through um, telling their own stories if they have strong memories of it. It's very much a strong collective memory kind of activity. They're showing some kind of video. A lot of them reported in terms of um, using either news footage of the day or one of the many documentaries that are out there and then going through sort of the details with a focus on recognizing or honoring those who died in the in the attacks um, and those who had been fighting ever since sort of in Afghanistan and Iraq. Some of the things that popped up that I think weren't necessarily surprising, but we hadn't thought out as much. One was that teachers, and this was the fall of 2018, so it's also in the context of the Muslim travel ban being proposed by the Trump administration. So this is why it makes sense to some degree. We heard from teachers that there was a rise of either ignorance of Islam coming into their classroom in terms of student statements or even things that would have been viewed as as sort of anti, um, anti-Muslim, anti-Muslim American, associating Muslims with terrorism, some of the things that were going on in sort of the polarized uh, national political rhetoric. And then the other piece was, you know, not only did they recognize that students didn't know anything and this was a challenge for them. So they realized they had to teach it differently. They had to add in more context, more details of what's going on. But they also reported having students either coming in with some form of misinformation, um, which might have been secondhand. They talked with their uncle about it or something and got sort of the details wrong or even bringing conspiracy theories into the classroom. That was something that didn't necessarily surprise us, but it, 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 we weren't expecting that. In fact, these came into an other category um, when we asked them what the challenges were to teach about 9-11. I will say that the world history teachers in general reported integrating it much more into their curriculum. It often fits better into sort of a modern Middle East unit um, versus being tacked onto the end of a U.S. history curriculum. So I think there you see much more nuance and historical contextualization of the events um, looking at the long sort of role of the U.S. in the Middle East and, and in areas like Pakistan or, or Afghanistan. Yeah, it makes sense that global and world history teachers would approach this topic differently from U.S. history teachers, given the curricula in those different courses. It sounds like for U.S. history teachers and U.S. history curricula, the focus has been on the day of September 11th, 2001 itself and the acts of heroism that accompanied it. And that educators and curricula have not really approached the potential causes or some of the debates and controversies that came afterwards as a result of these attacks. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty uh, sort of nationalistic narrative for the most part in the textbooks and curriculum. And that seems to align with what the, the sort of the majority of teachers were reporting, especially the U.S. history teachers. I will say we did see a little bit of a almost generational split between 
teachers that were maybe in college or already teaching on 9-11 that tend to stay with this um, sort of nationalistic sort of collective memory approach. And it's because for them, it's still such a burning sort of, of memory of, of an event that for their generation is sort of the event, right? Like, a, like JFK's assassination would have been for earlier generations. I think what mm -hmm. we saw in younger teachers was that because they grew up more, not necessarily remembering that day, but living under constant sort of terror threat levels and national security mm -hmm. crisis and all these things, mm -hmm. they want their students to recognize it as a significant historical event that has mm -hmm. impacted their lives in ways that they wouldn't know because they weren't alive. And so very much it reflects sort of their experience versus this very burning sort of collective memory for teachers that were a bit older. Were there any outliers? Were there any teachers who dug deeply into the causes of Islamic terrorism and the rise of Al-Qaeda? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, again, I think you saw that more in the world history classes. Some states or districts within states that don't have as much of a standardized curriculum, we heard from teachers that were teaching modern history through more thematic approaches. And there they were tying sort of modern terrorism or modern, you know, the, the role of the U.S. imperialism in the Middle East and looking at it through that vein. And then you saw much more complex approach to looking at 9-11 and how it fit into a larger context, what the events were leading up to it, what the implications were for the response, right? That was coming through much more clearly in, in those courses. People who taught maybe um, AP comparative, you also saw them approaching a little bit differently. Some states like New York, we talked to some teachers there and, and they had electives where they were looking at sort of the, the four big events of the past 50 years. And that was one of them. And they would look at it in much more context and much more detail. So I think you saw a wide ranging approach. But again, the majority seemed to still because they're constrained by curriculum. Some were constrained by worrying about how to approach it if they were in a, an area that was largely military, for example, mm -hmm. or uh, a political context where they didn't want to raise any of the more maybe controversial parts of it. I think there they stuck pretty much to the, the more memorialization, collective memory approach to it. We also know that regionally, obviously around New York, you're going to see it's much more personal. It's much more close to their experiences. We talked to one teacher whose daughter was born on 9-11. And so he was in a hospital right in Connecticut, right outside the city where they're setting up um, triage units, waiting for people to come, you know, victims to come in who were wounded. And of course, no one ever wow. came. Um, and so he and his daughter every year would participate in the National Day of Service uh, around 9-11, which is a, a national program, but I think really especially big in, in and around New York. So it sounds like there were some educators in your study who are going beyond the collective memory approach. And this seems to be related to their contexts, the courses that they're teaching, their generational cohorts, and perhaps some other issues but the collective memory approach, the more traditional approach, seems to be dominant. But based on your research, it seems like this could be an issue with the existing curricula. For educators who might only have access to standard textbooks that portray September 11th in a traditional way, what would you recommend? We took some of the, the data from the study because we also asked teachers, what would you want to be able to do a better job with this? And we took that data and we got some money from the Library of Congress to sort of put together some, some sources that they could use. And I think the big push that we're trying to get teachers to think about and think through, and some teachers are already doing this, is if you're going to 
you know, use the, an account of the day, news footage, some video footage, something like that. Let's not just use it to sort of have students bear witness to an event that they consider history, but let's also use it as a starting point for, for inquiry into the historical context, for looking at what were the events that led up to it. For example, on, on the Today Show that morning, one of the first stories is, one of the leading stories is uh, unmanned aircraft is shot down in the no-fly zone over Iraq. So engaging students and thinking about why is the U.S. in Iraq in this region at this time um, and start to engage a bit more on what was going on in the 1990s. Have them think about the, you know, what had been the terrorist attacks sort of coming up? What did the U.S. know or not know going into 9-11? Why was it within an hour and a half all the, the national networks had Osama bin Laden's picture up um, on the broadcast and knew he was hiding in Afghanistan, right? If it was so unexpected and unprecedented, mm -hmm. why were we sort of expecting it and knew who he was and where he was at the time? So I, I think there's a lot of ways that we can even, I, I think people, especially again, these older teachers feel compelled to still use it as a way to honor the victims of the events. And, and I think that's fine to continue if they want to do it that way. Um, and worthwhile, but I think we can also use it as a starting point to engage in, in a bit more nuance and, and deeper understanding of, of where those events came from um, and what's happened since. So obviously going into the 20th anniversary, this is sort of the closing chapter on, on Afghanistan, at least this for this volume. You know, how can we use that to explore why we were there in the first place and why we took the strategy we did knowing the history in Afghanistan? There are probably a lot of listeners out there who are thinking, that sounds great. I would like to do that in my classroom or help my teacher education students or colleagues do this in their classrooms. And you've developed some resources online that educators can access. Could you tell us about those and where we can find them? Yeah, it's a pretty basic set. We didn't want to create something that was overwhelming for teachers. So essentially, we took um, the teachers we we surveyed and then talked with on the phone, they wanted to be able to include in an accessible way and easily veterans' perspectives, Muslim-American perspectives of 9-11, some of the perspectives maybe of some of the refugees or these, you know, the interpreters and translators that worked with the U.S. military. They wanted to know a bit more about, you know, things like the TSA coming into play and, and things that would look at um, events coming into 9-11. And so we put together um, some sources, some primary sources from the Library of Congress. And we did that partly because the funding comes from the Library of Congress, but also because I think if it's in the Library of Congress and these archives, teachers might be a little bit more confident in using them in classrooms and, and not feeling mm -hmm. like they could be politically you know, at risk of something. Mm -hmm. And so these include everything from emails that were sent to the Arab American Journal, which is outside of Dearborn, Michigan. Some of them were extraordinarily hate-filled after 9-11, and many, many more were actually quite supportive of the Arab American community. And so it gives you a little bit of that response that that community felt. We include a bunch of story cores, um, sort of short podcasts. Um, some of them are animated around the events of 9-11, veteran stories um, that have come since, including some of the ones with veterans and interpreters that they worked with and helped come to the U.S., and then there's everything from, you know, an infographic that the TSA put out around security. Um, there's CIA memos on Afghanistan from the 1980s that basically illustrate the point that at that time, CIA analysts were telling U.S. policymakers that if we just abandon the Mujahideen in Afghanistan and leave, that one of the key things it could lead to was an anti-American sort of sentiment coming from that. And so, again, 
not necessarily um, looking back and saying we just made mistakes, but but why knowing this, what did it lead to in terms of how they were right and and how you can make decisions maybe differently and compare that to today? You know, will we will we see the same thing or not and be able to engage in those discussions? So we have um, a number of themes. We also, though, took the chance to develop some teaching guides for explicitly using these as part of inquiry around 9-11. And teaching was sort of what we looked at as newer forms of primary sources like podcasts, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, infographics, some of these things that are much more uh, modern that there aren't sort of guides out there for. And, and so everything's built for, to be adaptable for teachers. These aren't, you know, explicit list lesson plans where we're handing you something to teach. These are things that we want teachers to steal from and adapt and, and try out in their classrooms. So it sounds like you have tried to fill some of the gaps that you've seen in the curricula over the years with these resources that you've created. I will put the link in the show notes where educators and parents and anyone listening can find those resources. But is, is it an easy link to state? It's Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty easy link to state. It's, it's teaching 911beyond20.wisc which is WISC.edu. So it's at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So it's Teaching 9-11 Beyond 20, essentially, is the, the name of the site. Yeah, and that's a really interesting choice for a name, too, because now we're looking beyond 20 years. So how do you envision curriculum and teaching about 9-11 and the war on terror changing beyond these 20 years? how these sort of narratives about specific events get codified early on tend to sort of stick. And we definitely saw that in the textbooks, at least in how 9-11 is described. I think the, the war on terror part has evolved in those textbooks, especially as they realized that, you know, the mission wasn't accomplished. It's really hard to write a history textbook while something is still going on and evolving in that way. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see after, again, with, with the Afghanistan exit, this is sort of a close of that book. You know, how does that story become sort of solidified in those official curriculum in particular? what's included, what's not included. I think the question also going forward is, you know, will people continue to teach on the anniversary or does it eventually become sort of part of their history curriculum? So over time, how does it sort of evolve in terms of being taught or not taught? Especially because unlike Vietnam, unlike World War II, some of the previous conflicts, this was an all-volunteer force. There's no draft. There wasn't really any huge hardships on the U.S. public as a result of the conflicts. They weren't being taxed, for example, which which has happened in almost every other major conflict, unless you were a family member of someone who was directly affected, say, killed in the towers or, or in New York or in those areas, or a family member who had someone serving in the military or contractors or these NGOs that have been involved in Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, outside of that, the broad American public, other than maybe seeing some news updates on it, weren't deeply impacted by this ongoing sort of war on terror. Um, And so I think that's the other piece that's a little bit of an unknown, unlike other conflicts, is how will it be remembered and by whom and for how long? We know 9-11 for the people that were alive, it's deeply sort of ingrained and burned into their memory. But the war on terror, maybe not so much. And so I think that's the question as to how it will be included 20 years from now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'll definitely be very interesting to see over time. I'm wondering, Jeremy, if you could talk a bit about some of the innovations that you saw teachers use in teaching about 9-11 and the war on terror. Some teachers we know use it um, because it's early in the school year often in, in many states. You know, they use it as an opportunity to start teaching some of the like historical analysis skills. Mm-hmm. 
So they look at primary sources from 9-11, not just teaching about the event, but also using it to do that. Others were saying they were doing the same thing, but with media literacy skills. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they're finding ways to include 9-11, but also do sort of other meaningful things in their curriculum. Mm -hmm. I think other teachers are finding ways to integrate it in other parts. We heard teachers, you know, comparing Pearl Harbor to the 9-11 attacks. You know, again, world history teachers, I think, do an even better job of this, comparing it back to previous, you know, empires or, or nations that have attempted to, say, invade Afghanistan and what's happened. You know, so I think we're seeing folks find ways to integrate it, especially maybe as it becomes less of that collective memory event. Um, so in some ways, maybe we'll see it now after 20 years integrated um, in more thoughtful ways that'll be included. I, I think the fear for me is that if you're teaching it, just this sort of collective memory, asking students to sort of bear witness to these things on the day of the anniversary, you're potentially just reinforcing this nationalistic narrative that has real consequences in terms of directly to this Muslim travel ban that was proposed. I think mm -hmm. the simplistic narrative, I think the downside of it, which is why I'm critical, is potentially you just reinforce things that, that lead to simple answers about evil terrorists, for example, which mm -hmm. is rhetoric I still heard on CNN yesterday. Um, you right. know, in reference to Afghanistan and ISIS being evil, right? It's the same mm -hmm. language that's been used for 20 years. And I think mm -hmm. those simplistic sort of explanations are extraordinarily problematic if we want students to, you know, learn history and learn from history. One of your curricular resources is about addressing Islamophobia, correct? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think people forget, like we have a, there's a Time article on um, vigils that were held in Iran after 9-11 and that Iranian intelligence helped the U.S. in trying to track down bin Laden. Now, you can say there's some regional, you know, differences that, that why they might be, you know, helping, but I think people forget that. And, and, and then things were done from the U.S. side that erased some of that goodwill in terms of the axis of evil speech, for example. So I think, you know, understanding sort of what did and didn't happen from a more nuanced way is going to help to challenge maybe some of that Islamophobia. Maybe it won't paint that really black and white picture that we hear too often um, in, in some of the sort of national rhetoric. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much. This has been a very interesting conversation and thanks for your time. Well, thank you for, uh, for highlighting it and for sharing some of the resources that we've done. That was Jeremy Stoddard, Professor of Curriculum and Instruction at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. To learn more about Jeremy Stoddard and the resources he described for teaching about September 11th and related issues, please check out the links in the show notes. And this is Education for Sustainable Democracy. I'm Brett Levy. To learn more about the show and to check out other episodes, please visit www.esdpodcast.org. That's esdpodcast.org. If you like the show, please support it by subscribing, liking it on Facebook, sharing an episode with a friend, or giving it five stars in your podcast app. Thank you so much and have a great day.